Hello, everyone. Thanks again for joining us this week on Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. I'm your host, Carly McBride, Content Communications Manager. So as a reminder, make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform so you catch all our latest releases right in your feed. Today on the podcast, I'm welcoming two guests, Aaron Frazier, Vice President of Public Policy for the National Restaurant Association, and I'm also joined by Randy Crabtree, partner at one of our great co-collaborators, Trimerit Specialty Tax Professionals. Aaron and Randy join us to discuss ERTC, or the Employee Retention Tax Credit. They'll give you all the details on what it is, how it supports restaurants, who is eligible, and what you can still do to take advantage of it. Aaron and Randy, I know there's a lot to cover today, so thanks so much for taking some time to speak with us. Let's dive in. So Aaron and Randy, I know there's a lot to cover today, so thanks so much for taking some time to speak with us. Uh, Let's dive right in. So Randy, we're going to start with you. Let's talk about ERTC as a program. So first off, thank you again for joining us. If you could quickly introduce yourself and then tell us how ERTC is specifically designed to support restaurants. So tell us about the eligibility, timelines, um, frame that up for our listeners, if you will. Oh, that could be a long answer to that question, but we'll keep it short. First, Carly, Aaron, uh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Quick background on me. Randy Crabtree, partner with Trimerit. We're a specialty tax consulting firm. We have a partnership with the National Restaurant Association where we try to support your members as much as we can with a variety of uh, uh, credits and incentives, uh, ERTC being the hot one right now and and very uh, a valuable benefit for taxpayers, for restaurants specifically. As you said, Carly, you know, let's talk about how this was specifically designed for restaurants. And when you look at it, it really was. I mean, everything you read about this, it was restaurants was who they had in mind. And and so, you know, this 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 is a benefit out there available for businesses if they were affected by the pandemic in some way, which every restaurant has been. And then there's there's two ways to qualify. And this really tells you why this is really ele- a, a put in place for restaurants. You can qualify if you show you had a uh, significant drop in gross receipts in any quarter in 20 or 21 when we compare to 19 in restaurants in general, you know, second quarter of 20, big hit there. They, they may have had a significant drop in revenue, but going forward, that still was a hit to restaurants as well. That drop in revenue is a safe harbor, and I'm not going to go deep into that because we can go really deep into it. It's a safe harbor rule only. If you meet the drop, you qualify. No questions asked. Now it's start to, you know, time to start to do the whole evaluation of quantifying and interaction with other loans and, and things like that. So, so that obviously sounds like a restaurant thing. Hey, there was a drop in revenue. We were affected. But the other way to qualify, and this is an either or, it's not a both. The other way to qualify is... Were you under a restriction from a government entity? Common restrictions in the restaurant industry. No indoor dining. You know, that was in place pretty much around the country for a time. For a long time in some states, for a shorter time in other states. But we had a restriction on it. That's written for restaurants, obviously. That was They were the most restricted, you know, restaurants, bars, most restricted industry out there. And that... That portion of the credit 
when the IRS talks about it, they put an FAQ out early on in the process where they say, here's how you qualify. And the, the longest FAQ they wrote was specifically written for restaurants to say, hey, restaurant, no indoor dining, you qualify, even though you can have outdoor, even though you can have pickup, even though you can have drive through, even though you can have delivery, the fact that your indoor dining's uh, closed, you qualify. They go in this FAQ, they go a step further and they say, okay, you can be open for indoor dining, but there's a restriction on capacity. Restaurant, you still qualify. They go a step further and say, restaurant, you could be fully open for indoor dining now, but we have a six-foot restriction put in place where you have to spread out the tables. That has effectively reduced your capacity. You still qualify. IRS, notice specifically, IRS says, restaurant industry, this is how you can qualify. So from that standpoint, yes, this is, this is who they had in mind when they wrote this. Fantastic. Thank you for that information. Let's talk about, on average, like what is the average restaurant eligible for? If you could give some examples and piece that out for our listeners, that would be helpful as well. Yeah, it's the average restaurant obviously is, you know, let's just pick a, a, a 10 person in 10 employee restaurant. Let's pick a 10 employee restaurant and let's talk about what the opportunity is for that restaurant. So ERC, the periods you could potentially qualify are technically the last three quarters of 2020 and the first three quarters of 21. Now there's some outliers on either side of that, but that's for the most part, the qualified periods. And for 2020, the credit was very nice. For 21, the credit went through the roof. So for this 10-employee restaurant, let's assume they're 10 full-time employees, the credit's based on $10,000 of eligible wages per employee. In the year 2020, that was basically an annual wage that we look at, which which really goes back to March 13th is when this starts. So it's a little bit further than the last three quarters. But if we can do this whole analysis and determine that we qualified for the entire year of 2020 and we were able to maximize each of our employees' wages up at $10,000, for that 10-person restaurant, the potential credit is $50,000. It's $10,000 per employee times 10 employees times 50%, which is the credit, 50%. So $50,000 credit sitting there for a restaurant that most likely was affected the entire year under one of those two rules we discussed. That's a nice benefit. And and when we say credit, it's not, hey, hopefully I'll offset some taxes with this in the future. This is when I say credit, when I say ERC credit, that's a refund check. It's just money that's sitting there for this restaurant. They just need to fill out the paperwork, which is amended payroll tax returns, submit those, IRS then sends a check. So a refund check in this scenario for 50,000. I had mentioned when we started this discussion, 21 has blown 20 out of the water when the value of the credit. And so in the year 21, that same business can now analyze the credit quarterly, no longer annual. We can look at it each quarter separately. And each quarter, we can look at $10,000 of wages per employee. And each quarter, now it's 70% of that 10,000 per employee. And so Let's assume that each of our employees made qualified wages that we can take into the calculation of at least 10000 per quarter. These are all full-time employees, and they don't have to be. You can have part-time employees. They qualify as well. And just as a side note, tips count as well. Tips are a qualified wage, and obviously that's big in this industry. So if we get each employee up to $10,000 in 21 per quarter, that's 10, again, 
times 10,000, it's $100,000 of wages each quarter. Now it's 70%, so it's $70,000 of wages each quarter. And if the restaurant qualifies for all three quarters in the year 21, that's $210,000 sitting there in 21. Plus the 50 that was there in 20, $260,000 available to the small restaurant. I mean, that's not a gigantic business. 10 employees, they have a quarter of a million, over a quarter of a million dollar potential credit refunds, basically, refunds sitting there available for them. So that's why this is such an exciting opportunity for these businesses that have been affected more than any industry out there. So, Randy, eligible wages paid by the employer absolutely makes sense. But let's talk about tips. Do those count for ERTC? Yeah, tips. So wages are you know, what it sounds like. Here's my wage. Here's my gross pay I earned. In addition, the tips that I earned are eligible wages. In addition, health insurance costs are an eligible wage as well. So those are the three expenses really that come into the calculation per employee. And then we try to we you know use all of it we can. We max out at ten thousand dollars per employee per quarter in twenty one per the year in twenty. Okay, so I'm sure our listeners are wondering about the timeline on on this. So how long does it take to get an ERTC refund? Well, that depends on how influential Aaron is in uh, in DC right now. It's it's unfortunate that it's a very long process with the IRS, and I know Aaron and his group are are pushing to truncate the time right now. But what we are seeing is around nine months for refunds to come back. It's just the way that that this is set up. It's a it's not set up as a very efficient process. You have to mail in paper returns. They all go to one spot. There's a group that's sitting there and processing them. What we are seeing, if we want to see some trends, we are seeing credits under 100,000 maybe coming back faster than credits over 100,000. So we've seen some of those in four to six months. The larger ones at this point are taking nine, and, and I don't really know if that's going to get truncated at all. And, and I will say, Randy, thanks for the, the, the credit there or the uh, discredit. <laughs> but I, I will say that this money, this ERTC money that Randy is talking about, the refundable credit, this is not going to run out. I know a lot of restaurants have PTSD when it comes to PPP was available in April, but the money ran dry in, in two weeks. It was eventually replenished for, for that first draw of PPP loans. But an RRF critically ran out of money before two-thirds of applicants were able to receive money. This is not that. This is not disappearing uh, just because the refund is taking too long doesn't mean it will not arrive one day, uh, and that'll be a really great day. But um, to Randy's point, there there is a time process uh, that needs to play out. And I know you guys have been doing a great job trying to, to truncate that time, and, and we appreciate it. I, I get a lot of my information on what's going on in Congress with this from you guys, so so thank you for that. Great. Thank you. And thank you, Aaron, for chiming in on that one. Uh, Randy, one more question for you, and then we are going to talk a little bit uh, more with Aaron here. So for the operator who has not taken any action yet, they're maybe just hearing about this or thinking that they're eligible. Is it too late? What can people do right now? Yeah, this is this is an area that that I get frustrated about because there has been misinformation out there that, hey, you got to do this tomorrow or you're going to lose it. The deadline's today. Our first deadline for filing the earliest credit is still 
a year, well over a year away. July of, of 23 will be the first deadline we run into. And the deadline really is three years from the date you originally filed your original 941, your original payroll tax return. And so that original credit, which was, uh, you know, we actually, you didn't file the first one until July of 2020, which included the first and second quarters of 2020. And so we have three years from that time. So we're looking at July of 23 before we hit any deadline. So there is nothing from a, a, a time aspect that you need to be concerned about right now. Other than the fact, the quicker you do it, the quicker that nine month uh, period kicks in and, and those refund checks come back. Good to know. Thank you for probably putting our listeners at ease there. <laughs> and, and just, and just, uh, I just said refund checks come back. I just want to clarify that. It's technically not even a refund of taxes you paid. It looks like that. It is. Whatever the credit is, that's the amount of the check. So don't even worry about what taxes you paid, what taxes you didn't pay. The misinformation on that too. It is bottom line. If we just said there was a $50,000 credit for the year 2020 and we filed the forms, you get a $50,000 check, even if your payroll taxes were $20 that, that year. This is how it works. Okay. Thanks so much, Randy. All that information is very helpful. Are you hoping to make a difference on the policy topics that affect your business? Join us April 25th through 27th, 2022 in Washington, D.C. for our public affairs conference and be a part of the industry's largest grassroots lobbying event. Here, attendees will meet with lawmakers, network with industry peers, and come together to celebrate the restaurant industry. Please visit conference.restaurantsact.com to register. We can't wait to see you in person. We're going to turn the tables over to Aaron uh, here for a moment. So Aaron, let's talk a little bit more about the legislation. Can you quickly introduce yourself? Again, thank you for joining us. And if you can touch on what is the problem that this bill fixes, that would be helpful. Great. Thanks, Carly. Uh, my name is Aaron Frazier with the National Restaurant Association. Uh, when we look at URTC, as Randy mentioned, it, it feels like we've lived like two decades over the past two years. But uh, it started in March of 2020. That's when ERTC, uh, that's when the birth came. And originally it was for the year of 2020. And then eventually it got extended for every calendar quarter of 2021. So that was that was the the landing place for the ERC. By May and June of 2021. We were at a moment in this country, and we're filming this or we're recording this on March 30th of 2022. But about 12 months prior, 11 months prior, we were at a moment where vaccines were getting into arms, infection rates were falling, and we had earned a summer. <laughs> we had earned a good summer. At the same time, lawmakers on Capitol Hill wanted to draft a generational once, you know, once in a lifetime type of public works bill uh, that would be expansive, that would address ports, bridges, roads, uh, the vital infrastructure issues that we have in this country. And they wanted to pay for it. They wanted it to be fully offset of their costs. So at that time, they looked at, at the COVID rates. They were looking at the optimism springing up from the economy. And they said, okay, to pay for this once in a once in a political lifetime infrastructure bill, we will eliminate, we will terminate 
calendar four, the fourth quarter of ERC, because we don't think, you know, that the off-ramp will get a little shorter for ERC, but we think most, most small businesses will be recovered to a point where they may not need this tax credit. Um, and that, 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 was, that was their story, and they were sticking to it. Uh, so it was written within the bipartisan legislation. Uh, they got almost 70 U.S. senators to vote for a $1.2 trillion spending bill uh, on infrastructure, and that was passed in the middle of the summer. Unfortunately, this was eventually kicked around in the House of Representatives. It eventually passed the House by November, and on November 15th, mid-calendar quarter in Q4, ERC was terminated. Now, we all know we were in a different place, but what this bill does, what this bill that we're advocating on, it's called the ERTC Reinstatement Act. It, what it does, it's simple enough for me to understand. It's one page, and it says we're just going to bring back the ERC credit for hurting small businesses in October, November, December of 2021. That's what it does. Thank you. Let's talk specifically about our industry. So why is this so important for restaurants? That's a good question. And, and, and as I said, restaurants were, were, were united, you know, in a lot of ways, they didn't want to do more paperwork to receive a tax credit because their business was still hurting. They wanted to be blowing down the doors and saying, we're fully recovered. We don't necessarily need more COVID relief. But unfortunately, COVID had different plans for us as an industry. By August, we were uh, the industry recovery started moving in reverse due to the rise of the Delta variant. Infection rates were up, hospital rates went up. And then, of course, by, by the time we're trying to recover by the end of the year, the Omicron variant, you know, the super spreader happened again. So the restaurant recovery just never fully grasped that in 2021 due to the rise of these variants. And we tried to work with our members to really understand the data on what this meant. So as Randy said, restaurants are uniquely eligible for ERC due to the government capacity restrictions that were on restaurants early in 2021. So those really didn't go back in a comprehensive way for late 2021, but there's also the eligibility criteria of a 20% or more gross receipts decline in that calendar quarter when compared to that same calendar quarter in 2019. So we went out with a survey to 5,000 restaurants in January. This is like one of the first things we wanted to do in January. And we asked these 5,000 restaurants, how many of you experienced a decline in gross receipts of 20% or more in the fourth quarter of 2021? And to be honest, we were, we were aghast that 60% of those survey respondents, 60% of them said, yeah, we had losses of 20% when compared to 2019. Uh, it was really tough. We had, we lost our bookings in December, uh, holiday parties, end of year gatherings, they evaporated. And, uh, you know, it was one of those, you know, heartbreaking moments that we still weren't out of it, but it builds the case. Restaurants need to restore Q4 for 2021. And we're building that case on Capitol Hill every day. Perfect. So let's talk about the support. Who is backing this bill? Well, the good news is we have a pretty good bipartisan, bicameral team behind this bill. The, the, the person that broke the glass on this really early on was Congresswoman Carol Miller of West Virginia and Stephanie Murphy of Florida. Uh, they're a bipartisan duo that's built a phenomenal bench of supporters in the House of Representatives. I believe they're at 75 members that have joined the bill, which is H.R. 6161. 
in the House of Representatives. Uh, so we're really encouraged by that team. In the Senate, not to be outdone, Senator Maggie Hassan of New Hampshire and Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina introduced their version of the bill. It's S3625. Same bill, different chambers. Both of them have a great bench of supporters. Uh, in the Senate, we have uh, Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont and Senator Roger Marshall of uh, Kansas. And you probably can't have two more different opinions on how government should should uh, should act, but they're on the same bill. So we love seeing that, that bipartisan harmony. Um, and we think that that builds consensus. It shows that they're hearing similar things from their constituents. And really, when they're, people are filing their taxes, they're hearing from their constituents that because of the way that the ERC was eliminated mid-calendar quarter in November of 2021, a lot of them weren't aware. You know, we're, we're running around like Paul Revere with a bell saying, no, like the taxes changed mid-calendar quarter. Um, so we're trying to get that message out, but it, it doesn't hit every ear when they're just trying to stay open, when they're just trying to deal with inflation and supplier costs and a labor shortage. So we're heartened by the fact that we have a great bipartisan bicameral team on the bill, uh, but we know we need to keep pushing. Cool. All right. So let's talk timelines again. When do we need to get this bill passed? What does that look like? Well, we were disappointed that the, this bill was not included in the big omnibus spending package to fund the government uh, early in March. But we, we've been told that we need a tax title. We need something that's going to address the tax system. Uh, and there's a variety of, of things that we're tracking uh, that would kind of catch a ride on a larger legislative vehicle. This is how legislation is smashed together in Washington, D.C. What the timeline focuses is, number one, this has to be done this year. By the time we get into the next year, no one's going to try to fix a calendar quarter issue going back to 2021. There are a list of tax extenders. We're saying we can catch a ride on any of these trains going out of the station. But really, the urgency is going to be most important over the next three months. Uh, we really think that this needs to needs to get aboard something uh, before you go into the midterms, before you go into elections. It's also a good time to remind your federal representatives that your business, your restaurant needs this kind of support. And you were, you were promised this type of support in 2021 during some of those most challenging uh, moments of the pandemic. All right. Speaking to that directly, how do we generate the momentum for this bill? Uh, what can we do? We talked about the bill numbers, Carly. We talked about HR 6161. We talked about S3625. Listeners can make sure they can check on those bills on, on any uh, internet service. You can check on those bills. Make sure your member of Congress is on that bill that is showing their support to restore Q4 of ERC. Uh, and then there's a phenomenal opportunity. April 25th through the 27th, we are having our first fly-in conference, our public affairs conference, a kind of the marquee restaurant advocacy event of the entire year. This is the one. This is your best opportunity to show the impact of local restaurants. Come to Washington, D.C. It's been way too long since we've seen everyone. Uh, we actually had our last public affairs conference about a week before the world changed in early March 2020. This one, hopefully, uh, it's about restoring what, we, what we've done over the past years, what restaurant operators are dealing with every day. Let's make sure that we can get back on our feet. Uh, and restoring ERC is going to be a big part of that. Uh, so April 25th through the 27th here in Washington, D.C., uh, sign up for the Public Affairs Conference, work with your, your, your state restaurant association, join the delegation that's coming from your state, uh, because we've got a lot to do. 
And this is certainly going to be part of it. Fantastic. Thanks for mentioning the Public Affairs Conference. I was going to mention that as well. And a note to our listeners, I will make sure that we link that in the show notes. Uh, If you're interested in joining, we'll put the registration link down there. So as we bring this conversation to a close, thank you to both of you uh, very much for all this important information. There's still work to be done and things that our listeners can do. So as we come to a close, Randy, any closing thoughts from you? Well, I'll definitely do whatever I can on that restoring uh, the restore bill uh, that, that Aaron's working on. I think that that is just a much needed in this industry. But what I'm seeing is there are every day I'm here in restaurants that don't know about ERC and we're educating them on it. And so there's still a lot of there is not been many restaurants I've talked to. In fact, it might be zero that we haven't been able to qualify. So restaurants qualify. It's just, it's a no-brainer. As we talked at the beginning, this was written for restaurants. So if you haven't, as if you're a listener and you haven't looked at this yet, you need to because there's a very, 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 I'll go seven varies, good chance that you qualify. And, and I'll just add there, Carly, that uh, I have family members that that own and operate restaurants and when I talk with him about it, and I've been working on this policy for about two years, when I talk with him about it, I frame up the discussion, I describe the credit, and then I refer people like TriMerit, who are experts at this, that can actually file, amend the return, and access it. So uh, just a big thank you to Randy Crabtree and his team over at TriMerit, because restaurants need partners like them that that understand not only the mechanics of the credit, but how other you know, a buffet of tax credits can appeal directly to restaurant operations and help them navigate out of out of this most tenuous of storms we've had. Excellent. Aaron, thank you for those closing thoughts. And Aaron, thank you to you for all the tremendous work that you've done in this area over the last two years. So I'm going to wrap it up there for today. And thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Thanks. Are you hoping to make a difference on the policy topics that affect your business? Join us April 25th through 27th, 2022 in Washington, D.C. for our public affairs conference and be a part of the industry's largest grassroots lobbying event. Here, attendees will meet with lawmakers, network with industry peers, and come together to celebrate the restaurant industry. Please visit conference.restaurantsact.com to register. We can't wait to see you in person. Thanks so much for listening to Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. Follow us on your favorite podcast player and find out more at restaurant.org slash podcasts. Episode produced by Dante32.